Let's get into the week that was. Let's get into it, John, and welcome to all our listeners again. Happy to be back, answer questions about employment law, workplace rights, issues you may have. Now's the time to uh, lay it on us. Now, last week, John, I think you'll remember, we talked about uh, just cause and yep. talked about how hard it is to establish and when an employer can and cannot establish cause. Remember, cause is a situation where the employer can let an employee go without severance yep. uh, because the employee did something very, very wrong. Now, it's extremely difficult to establish cause, and most employers pull the trigger way before they should. Now, this is a case uh, that was resolved this week by uh, David Vaughn. David is one of the lawyers at my firm. Uh, and David's client had worked for a major bank for about 10 years. Now, he was one of these financial advisors that you go talk about with, uh, with respect to your mortgage. Now, the bank had established a target number of mortgages that each person had to sell in a given month. Gotcha. Let's say, for example, 20 mortgages. Quota. Whatever it is. Yes, exactly. Now, this person had struggled meeting these quotas, these targets, over the past couple of years. He'd received a number of warnings. And finally, a couple of months ago, when he again didn't meet the target, uh, he was let go for cause. And the bank said, well, we don't have to pay you anything. We don't have to pay you severance because we're letting you go for cause. Now, the interesting here is that the bank actually couldn't establish what he did wrong, that he did anything wrong. Not that he was slacking off, not that he wasn't following policies, nothing. The only thing that he didn't do is he didn't actually sell enough mortgages. So what is the misconduct here? What did he actually do wrong? Uh, and the bank also had not offered him any help, any training, just kept saying, well, you got to sell more mortgages. But again, they're not saying, well, you're not selling enough mortgages because you're slacking off when you should be working or you should be uh, improving uh, your skills when, uh, when you're not doing that. Okay. So really, just his misconduct was not selling enough mortgages. Well, that's not cause. There could be many reasons why he couldn't meet the targets. So when the, ban, uh, the bank let him go, in the eyes of the law, that was really a termination without cause. Now, this, this gentleman was actually in a very bad state after he was let go. He couldn't afford to continue paying rent. He couldn't afford to pay for his car. He had to move in with his uh, elderly mother. So a very, very tough situation. Uh, luckily, David resolved the case this week for one year's pay. Now, it just shows us that the employer is often uh, you know, involved or does is guilty of letting employees go for cause when they should not be doing that. And it's very, very difficult to establish. And it's not the question of whether this person did something wrong. It's a question of whether he was so guilty of sinning that he could actually be deserving of the worst possible punishment that an employer can impose. And in this case, he wasn't. Uh, so uh, good resolution. And let me talk about a second case. Now, this is something that many of our listeners would face in their lifetime. Uh, the individual that I spoke to this week had worked for a car dealership for around 12 years. He was a mechanic. Now, earlier this year, uh, the dealership was sold to another company, mm -hmm. and all the employees, including this particular gentleman, were offered a job with a new company. Uh, this individual decided that it was an opportunity to make a move and look for work elsewhere. So he, didn't, uh, he decided not to work for the new company, and sure enough, he found another job in a few days. He wasn't paid anything, and he thought nothing of it. Well, but then he heard this amazing, great, awesome radio show. Uh, Where the, do I catch the it? The Employment Hour. You may oh, have heard okay. of it. Yes, yes, yes I'm uh, you may, so, so he heard of it, and, and he called me at the office this week, and I spoke to him. So, of course, he's owed severance. Now, because it was his decision that, that he ultimately was out of a job or that he didn't accept a job with the buyer. That's why he figured... Uh, Right. He yeah. thought he's not entitled to But because it was his decision, uh, he doesn't get his full severance. In this case, he was only owed 20 weeks pay. 
but for him, that's over $25,000. So, you know, I, not a bad thing. So listening to the show ultimately resulted in him getting $25,000. I feel pretty good about that. Now, this is, this is a simple matter, and these things happen often. So just to clarify, the rules with respect to a sale of a business is that if a business is sold and you're out of a job, you get your full severance. If you are offered a job but decide not to accept it with a, with a buyer uh, and there's a good reason why you're not accepting, you again get your full severance. If you decide not to accept the job and there's really no good reason, then you don't get your full severance, but you still get some. So and essentially, sales of a business are very, very common. And in most cases, if you lose your job, if you're not working as a result, you get severance. So very important to know that. Give me a call if you're in that situation. Got time to squeeze in that call before we go. Got uh, Carol. Hi, Carol. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Excellent. You got a question for Lior? Go ahead. Yeah, um, I work part. I have a full time job, but I also work part time in retail. And uh, the store, and I've been with the store for seven years. And my store, just my location, is closing. So they gave me uh, my termination letter. And because I listen to you guys every Sunday afternoon, Good girl. And, uh, sorry, so yeah, I, I, I went on uh, severancecalculator.com, and what they're offering me, it's not a lot, it's only about $1,200, but what it came out to on the severancecalculator.com is more. Right. So how do I, how do I, what, what do I do? Well, let me assess your entitlements right now. So you've been there for seven years, yep. uh, and, and you're in a sales position. Yep. And, and how old are you, Carol? 55. Well, yeah, someone in your situation would probably be looking at right around eight months of compensation, okay? Uh, potentially as, not, as much as nine months compensation. The only time you would get less than that, Carol, is if you signed an employment agreement seven years ago with this company that limits your severance. Now, so, so that's the only way you get less. So if you got that, or fine. If you got less than that, that's a wrongful dismissal, and we need to talk off air. Okay, well, and my, my, so my other part of the question is, though, because I'm only part-time and I only work, say, right. you know, 10 to 15 hours a week, how do, they, how do they calculate when you say 10 weeks or 8 months? How do they, it's do based, they on your, whole- based on your average earnings. So, so we can see what you make on average in a year. I mean, you know, we may disagree a bit as to, you know, whether we should look at this or that. But overall, we should be able to get an average and, and then create a monthly average, and we times that tam- times 8. It's, it's not complicated. It's really just a mathematical calculation. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk off here. Give me a call at the office. John will give you the number. Happy mm-hmm. to talk. Carol, that number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is typical of people who call in. They just need the information. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. George, hello. How are you? How are you? Good. You got a question for Lior? Shoot. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, recently, about eight months ago, I was recruited by a company to come and work for them. I didn't come to them. They came to me. They put me in a position that was supposed to be temporary to take over a different position. Now, something happened at the, at the dealership and things have changed back. So they put me into another position, a job that I can do, but I'm not really qualified for and I didn't apply for it. Now, situations aren't going as good as they should be, so now I'm put underneath a a microscope, and I'm also threatened with losing my job if I can't perform to their standards. And my head is just spinning because it's not what I applied for. I didn't ask for it. They asked for me, and now I'm being the bad guy. I hear you, George. Very uncomfortable situation, clearly. 
Now, in light of what you've just told me, that you, they came back to you with, make, with some promises, presumably, of the type of job, the type of expectations they would have of you, and now all that has turned out to be false. Uh, exactly. In your situation, this may be a constructive dismissal. It could also be some form of, of negligent misrepresentation. So because of that, uh, this may be a, a case where you could potentially leave there and require them to give you compensation. And that compensation could be significant because you were recruited away from presumably another company. Uh, so more than just compensation that you would normally get after eight months of employment. We would need to establish exactly what's happened in the meantime, what the promises were made, what promises were made and, and how they were not kept. And the key document here, George, would be an employment agreement. If you signed an employment agreement eight months ago when you started with this company, that document could be your best friend or your worst enemy right now. So I would want to see that document before I can tell you, assuming it exists, uh, if, if you can do something, what you can do, and what potentially what you could expect to get if you pursue this matter. So what I want to do is I want to talk to you off air, and I need you to see if you can find a copy of your employment agreement and send that to me. Uh, let me take a look at that, and then we'll talk. Now, there's one other little catch to that. Yep. It makes it a little odd. Is that the temporary position that they asked me to come into is what's on the title of the document. Right. I understand. It's on the title, but it was just a temporary position. It was agreed between the owner, uh, the controllers, everybody that was a temporary position, and that I'd be doing a different position. But once once that changed. position, yeah. Yeah, things changed, and now they put me back in the position, which is on the title of the document. I understand. So let, that's what I'm saying. That document is extremely important. So let, let me take a look at it, George. And, and that document may also say what you would get if, in fact, you were right. constructively dismissed. Let me look at that. Let's talk off air, and I'll be in a better position once I've seen that document to tell you what you're owed. George, that number, 1-855-821-5900, 1-855-821-5900. Now, you did mention in there that his compensation could be much greater because he was recruited away. Explain yeah. that. Yeah, so in situations where you're not necessarily uh, knocking on a company's door to, to work, you, you have a job, you're, you're content, they come to you, maybe they hear about you through the, someone in the industry or maybe through a headhunter, uh, and they come and convince you to leave. They make you these grandiose promises about long-term employment, secure employment. You should really leave your company because we're going to do much better things for you uh, in this company. You do that only to lose your job, uh, you know, maybe in the first couple of, of years. Then you still get your severance, of course, but because you were recruited from another job, you're going to get much more severance. You're going to get severance that recognizes the length of service you had with the previous company, the one that you were rec uh, recruited from. So in a situation of recruitment, we refer to that often as inducement. When you're induced to leave a secure job, then you, you potentially get a heck of a lot more severance than you would otherwise get. But the employment agreement is very, very important mm -hmm. because if, you, if you're induced from another company to, to join another company and you sign an agreement that allows them to let you go with minimal severance, you're, you're, you know, you're going to be out of luck usually, usually. So that's why I told uh, George I have to see his employment agreement. So if I didn't have an agreement like that and I, uh, I say I was with a company for... 25 years, I got pulled away from another company, enticed. I was with them for eight months. I got let go. My severance is based on eight months but plus 25 potentially years. Potentially, yes. But then you're now a 25-year-plus guy. Cha-ching. Uh, and uh, if you can establish that you recruited, if you can establish uh, that you know they came to you, then potentially you're looking at 25 years of service, and the severance was going to be uh, corresponding to that. So note to employers, 
Make sure you get that employment contract written out yeah. uh, properly so, for a headhunter, so if, right? So if I have my employer advisor hat on, I yep. say, yes, you never, ever bring an employee on without them having signed an employment agreement that potentially limits your liability. Right. If I have my employee advisor hat on, I say to the employee, never sign an agreement like that. <laughs> there so, you go, uh, right? I'm very conflicted. <laughs> you, yeah. You've been like that your entire yeah, life. Pretty much, yeah. My wife will tell you. Yeah. Let's get into a bit about uh, working through an employment agency or temp agency. So an employee is hired through a placement agency. The agent Is the agency the employer or is the, 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 the company, the employer. You know, this, this happens often. I can't tell you how many times I get these calls where someone is working for a company for a few years, a few months, usually even it's a few years. And, but technically speaking, they're not employed by the company. They're employed okay. through a temp agency or some sort of a placement agency. Uh, and uh, then they're let go. And the question is, first of all, do I get severance because I'm working through a temp agency? Right. And if so, who pays it? Uh, and and the the reality is, that, as you know, there's a theme always goes through uh, through our shows here, is that I don't really care what you call something, what something looks like. I care what the reality on the ground is. So if you're working for a company, you go to the office every day, you work your nine to five, you report to someone at that company, uh, they tell you what to do, they tell you what tools to use. You're an employee of that company. Full stop. End of story. It doesn't matter that on paper you're really employed through a temp agency. Okay, it's not that simple. Otherwise, everyone would be employed through temp agencies. Why would I ever hire an employee? I'll just have temp agencies. Gets me off the hook. Exactly. I mean, that that would be a great idea. So it doesn't work that way. Okay. So that's something I want to explore a bit in the next uh, segment or two. Shoot Lior an email. You can do so. Lior L I O R at theemploymenthour or at employmenthour.com. We'll be back with more of the show. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred C H. HML. Talking about working through an employee agency or a temp agency. So can a, can a person have more than one employee or employer, rather, yeah. uh, with respect to the same job? Right, absolutely. And, and, you know, we call this co-employment situations. And that is a situation where, uh, in the eyes of the law, more than one entity has responsibility uh, as an employer to a person. Uh, usually it happens when, uh, oftentimes it happens when there's uh, more than one company the person works for, maybe they're related companies, uh, but it also can happen in a situation where someone works through a temp agencies, and some of the indicators are that he's working for the temp agency, some of the indicators are that he's working for the actual company that he's providing services to. So maybe the temp agency pays him, but he takes directions from the company. Okay. Uh, maybe the temp agency sets a schedule, but he works in the company's offices. So it, there's, there are situations, and that's usually actually the best of both worlds from the perspective of the employee. And that is Why? He, because he would potentially have two employers that would have liability uh, towards him or a responsibility. So if one of them maybe you know, goes out of business or is bankrupt, guess what? The other one still has responsibility for you. So you're as protected as, as can be there. So uh, remember, just because you're working through a temp agency does not mean that it's only the temp agency that has responsibilities. In some cases, actually, the temp agency may have no responsibilities for you, right. and it could be just the company for which you're actually doing the work. What if no taxes are deducted and the person is you know, considered a, an independent contractor, which we've covered so many times, right? So many times, and it really does happen often when someone works through a temp agency. So here's a common scenario. So I get a job you know, through a temp agency to work for company X. I've been working for Company X for a number of years now. I go to the office. I do my work. Uh, you know, I, I, I sit at my desk. I have my business cards, et cetera, my phone number there. 
But guess what? They're considering me an independent contractor because I've been hired through a temp agency. So uh, I get, uh, I, I don't pay, uh, they don't pay taxes for me. They don't withhold taxes. I'm responsible for my own taxes. Then I lose my job. And they say, well, you're not our employee. You're an independent contractor. Right. So, so long, farewell. We don't have to pay you anything. Well, again, if you've listened to this show, you'll know that that is wrong. That's not the case because in the eyes of the law, you would be considered an employee because you're, you're, you look like an employee, you act like an employee, uh, you're, you're an employee. So uh, the fact that you're through a temp agency, the fact that they're not withholding taxes does not make you an independent contractor. An independent contractor really is someone that's in business for themselves, that they're in the business of providing services to other companies or to other people. So if that's not you, you're an employee, so if the relationship ends, you are entitled to severance. And there's people right now, I'm telling you, John, that are listening to that show and say, oh, my God, that's that me. was me a year ago, two years, 10 years ago. Gosh, uh, I wish I would have known about that. So that's the point. You, under- you got to understand that if you're an independent contractor on paper, it does not mean you're an independent contractor in real life or in the eyes of the law. Dennis. Hello, Dennis. Hello. How are you? Good, sir. You got a question? Yes. Actually, it's regarding my son. My son uh, works for a company for seven months. And it's gotten slow, and now they laid him off. Well, they laid him off, I guess. It's, you know, they haven't said when he's going to come back, and there was no discipline. They just said, that's it. No work. We're slow. Don't come in, right? Right. Now, what kind of a job? What does your son do? Uh, I worked for a, a car, a detailing cars. Detailing car. And how old is he? 27. Okay. So in, the, in this situation, he he has two options. He can either, you know, sit at home and wait and hopefully... Things will come uh, come back up, and the company will be busier, and they'll tell them come back to work. Maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't. Or he can treat that as a termination because the company does not have a right to just say, you're going to stop working now until we decide to call you back. That is a termination. So if he decides to look at it as a termination, he'd be owed severance. Now, the, the, the problem is a practical one, and that is because of the, the type of job, if he, he's a young guy and he's only worked there for seven months, potentially he's only going to be looking at you know two, maybe as much as four weeks on the high end of severance. Uh, so so it, it's not something that's necessarily going to be a lot of money, maybe. But uh, those are his options, to pursue that severance, and in which case he can give me a call and I can co- have him connected with a paralegal that I know very well, or essentially wait and see what happens. Well, to be honest, I'm I'm to be I'm pushing him to go back to school. Okay. Well, you know, probably not help a bad the tuition. Idea. Yeah. So you know, may as well pursue that severance because he's clearly 100% owed it. It's about the process of pursuing it. So if he wants to give me a call off air, I'll connect him with the paralegal and uh, and they'll be able to help him. Dennis, that number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Is there a is there a statute of limitations? How long you can sit home if they if they said you're laid off until you you don't qualify for compensation? Like it's well, deemed yeah. like you've accepted it. Well, if you sit at home and they never call you back, that's a termination. But if you've sat at home for two years, then you can't pursue it gotcha. because your, your rights crystallized the day they told you not to come in. And if you don't do anything for two years after that point, you're, you're out of luck. Got uh, Rob on the line. Rob, go ahead. Hi, Rob. Hello? Yep. Hi. Hi, Rob. Sorry. Um, I had a quick question. Uh, I've been with my employer over 20 years. I was asked to sign a revised employment agreement and... One of my colleagues said that um, that employment agreement isn't binding because they didn't offer any additional compensation, um, or it wasn't it wasn't part of a promotion. I was just curious to know whether that was true or not. 
Well, you know, excellent question. Actually, interesting, because one of the topics that I had on, on the docket, so to speak, for today yep. is to talk about employment agreements. We may, may or may not get it to it, but let me, <clears throat> let me give you my thoughts here. So generally speaking, your, your friend is right. For an employment agreement to be valid, there has to be some sort of a, something given to the employee in return, some sort of an exchange. So it could be a, a pay raise, it could be a signing bonus, an extra day's vacation, something. They've got to throw you a bone. Right, right? a bone. Something that, uh, except no bones, uh, <laughs> something that the employee would otherwise not be entitled to have. That said, you're, you're, uh, that's not the end of the analysis because let's say you sign an agreement. Uh, and, you know, you've heard me say, well, it's probably not enforceable because you didn't get anything. But the company tries to enforce it at some point down the road. Then you're in a legal battle with the company. Then you may have to get involved in lawsuits. And that's not a fun process. So I never advise someone ever to sign an employment agreement because ah, it's, not, it's not enforceable. Who cares? Let me just sign it. That's just a bad idea. So you're far, far better off to, to take that seriously and negotiate an agreement that you can live with. So if you sign it, you know that you can live with that document. So my advice is send me a copy. Let me see it and tell you if there's anything in there that you should be concerned about. Because if there isn't, you may as well just sign it, move on, and not worry about it. If there is something there that's a problem, I can tell you about that, and we can talk about how we negotiate with the company. Never, ever sign something because you think it's not going to be enforceable. Sage advice, my friend. That goes for everybody listening, right, as well. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. And your number outside of show hours is always 1-855-821-5900. Keep the calls coming. We've got more coming up here. We'll take a short break right here in the Employment Hour on AM 640 and AM 900. CHML. Okay, we'd like to get to as, uh, as many calls as we can. Is it uh, a joy in Brampton? Yes. yes. Hi, how are yes. you? Okay, go ahead. Very good, very good. Good, sir. Okay, uh, the question I have is actually I'm calling on behalf of an acquaintance. He works for a salon, and uh, technically he should be an employee. He asked the employer a couple of times, well, maybe more than a couple of times, to put him in the payroll. But as typical employers, they don't want to because they want to want to contribute to CPP and EI. Right, exactly yeah. right. Okay, so uh, now uh, one fine day uh, when uh, and then the agreement was that he'll be paid 55% of whatever he brings into the slot. Yes. So uh, then one fine day uh, when he was about to get paid, they said, sorry, we won't pay you 55%, we pay you 50% because you're making too much money. <laughs> and of course... <laughs> He was very upset about it because he did bring a lot of business uh, to the salon because he used to be a salon owner at one one time and he even brought other dimensions to the salon he's working for now. So actually, he called your office and uh, he spoke to a lady and uh, she called back and said, uh, you know, she, she, I guess, I don't know who she checked with, but she called back and said he will have to hire a paralegal. Right. And, and, uh, and give a name. Yes. So he's not very sure why does he have to deal with a paralegal. It, it's simply, let, not, me, let me tell you right now, it's simply a matter of, of, of cost-benefit uh, analysis. So if, 
You, mm-hmm. The value of your friend's case, uh, using an example, is $5,000. Just an example. He mm-hmm. may be better served with someone that's a paralegal because the cost of the process potentially would, would be less money, so he gets to keep more of it. So we always mm-hmm. go through a cost-benefit analysis. If we can't provide someone the best bang for their buck, then we're going to mm-hmm. refer them to someone that can do that. So yeah. that's, that's really it. It's nothing to do with how good a case. It's really the dollar value of the case, uh, okay. and, and that's it. And he certainly seems like he potentially could have a case, absolutely. Yeah, that that's what uh, I kind of listening to your program. I thought so, so I asked him to call your office. Okay, good. Well, happy to uh, help him as best we can. On the line next, we'll get to Joe. Good afternoon, Joe. Uh, good afternoon. Good pal, you got a question? Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, my question is: uh, two years ago, I signed an employment contract with the company I'm working for, and the contract stated I would be getting sixty plus hours a week. Right now. There were times, especially in the summertime, that I did work 60 or more hours a week. But there are times where I've been given, especially the past month and a half, two months, it's been between 20 and 40 hours at the most. Am I entitled to that 60 hours no matter what because I worked or signed that contract? Now, it's a full-time position, and I've been getting less than full-time hours. And how long have you worked with this company, Joe? Five years. Five years. So the answer is, first of all, do they now have to pay you for 60 hours even though you're working 20? Well, no, unless the contract says you're going to get paid X amount of week no matter how many hours, uh, then, then the answer is no. But but if, in fact, there's an agreement in place, you're going to work 60 hours, and now if they've started giving you 20 or 30 hours, that's something you can say, well, now that's a breach of our agreement. Therefore, that's a constructive dismissal. I can leave and require you, company, to pay me severance. So uh, th- that's potentially a remedy here. The problem, though, of not doing anything, of saying, well, I'm not happy, but I'm going to allow it to, ha- to, to continue working, is if you continue working with these 20, 30 hours a week, you're considered, if at some point, you're going to be considered as accepting that, and then you can't do anything. Then you're stuck with that. And then even if they reduce it from 30 or 20 to, to 10, well, they've now established a precedent that they can reduce your hours. So that's a problem. What I would do is I would send them an email, uh, a letter right now, email works fine, saying, we had an agreement, 60 hours, you know, I've let it slide for a while, but I expect for you to meet those uh, obligations that you have and, 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 and give me the hours that we've agreed on. If nothing changes, you have to make a decision. Do you continue working or do you leave potentially and, and uh, require them to pay you severance, which depending on, on the number of factors could be six months, could be eight months, potentially uh, maybe even more. Uh, and obviously, I do not want you to leave. I do not want you to resign without you and I having a chance to speak in more detail off, uh, off air. Does that give you some thoughts as to what to do? Um, kind of, yeah. So start with that email. Tell them what you expect. If nothing changes, give me a call. That number, Joe, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Got uh, Jenny on the line. Good afternoon, Jenny. Hi, good afternoon. Hi. Hi. I got a question for you. I've been working with my company for nine years full time, and I wanted to take a three weeks of personal leave of absence. And I was just wondering um, if that would um, have any grounds for, let's say, dismissal or if they could refuse that. So, so you're taking a leave of absence for, for what purpose? Um, it's a family emergency to uh, travel out of the country. And, and for how long do you think it's going to happen? About three weeks. So for three weeks. 
Yes. Yeah, if it's family emergency, they actually have to provide you uh, a, a leave of absence. They're required by the Employment Standards Act. So, so if they if they refuse, you may be able to. Uh, well, that, that's a violation of the Employment Standards Act. You should talk to me, maybe even with the Ministry of Labor in that case. Uh, if you were saying, well, I'm going to go away for three months or a year, that's different. But three weeks, they would have to provide you that. Uh, and but you'd have to make sure you tell them it's not because well you know I I, uh, I decided that uh, it's a good idea to go travel you'd have to tell them that's a family emergency I have to go there to deal with with family situations uh, and and put that in writing and they have under the employment standards like an obligation to provide you with that leave. Okay, thank you. No problem. You're welcome. We'll get to uh, one more here before the break. Yeah, should we? Yeah, yeah we'll do it. Wine. Uh, take a risk. We've got uh, Sam. Hello, Sam. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Good, pal. What's going on? Okay, I worked uh, family family day uh, family day holiday, yep. and I got paid because they go a two weeks pay period. I did not get paid for that day plus the time and a half. Am I entitled to get the time and a half for that day? Uh, yes, you you are entitled uh, unless, of course, you're working in a type of an industry where uh, you, you receive another holiday. Uh, for example, those of, us, uh, those of you that work in a federally regulated industry like a bank, you may receive another holiday that makes up for family day, in which case the employer in that case does not have to do anything unusual on family day. But if, it's, uh, if you don't have a, an extra holiday, then yes, you'd have to get paid time and a half. Lior's number anytime outside the show hours is 1-855-821-5900. We'll have more of the Employment Hour coming up. On Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Leor's number, by the way, on his hip, 1-855-821-5900, if you're a little bashful, want to call. Outside of the uh, the show hours, let's get into this. Ways in which employers may lose the ability to rely on contracts of employment. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's amazing, because we actually had a call uh, earlier on the show from a gentleman that said, well, wait a second, my employer, wa- I'm, I've been working for this company for 20 years, the employer wants me to sign a new employment agreement now, is it enforceable, is it not? So uh, th- this problem arises very often, but it arises in other situations. Uh, it, oftentimes, and the employers that are, are, are more sophisticated are going to have an employee sign an employment agreement when they start that tries to potentially limit the sure. amount of severance that they would get in the future. So, so you signed an agreement like that a few years ago. Now the company has to let you go for whatever reason, and the employer says, okay, you signed that agreement. So now instead of paying you 10 months severance they would otherwise have to pay you, we're only going to pay you five weeks severance because of that agreement. And you say, oh, crap, I guess I signed that agreement, yep. so uh, I- I'm stuck. And but that's not necessarily true. That's not the end of the analysis. In many cases, uh, the employment agreement itself may actually not be enforceable or may not limit a person's entitlements, despite the fact that it exists. So let me go through quickly some ways where an employment agreement may actually be considered not to be enforceable, okay. or at least the term right. limiting severance may not be considered enforceable. And and we care about that, John, because if it's not enforceable, then you know you you would get full severance, for sure, and that could be worth tens of thousands of dollars, maybe more, depending on on a number of factors. So first of all, uh, the, the very basic, is the agreement in fact signed, okay? Uh, oftentimes uh, the, the uh, agreement you know, was exchanged, but no one actually bothered to sign it. So if it's not signed, it may well not be enforceable. By both parties or just the employee? By just the employee, okay. yes. It, it has to be by the employee. If it's not signed by the employer, but it's signed by the employee, it's okay. The other thing is, when was it signed? An employment agreement that's signed usually after employment starts by the employee is not enforceable. So I'll give you an example. No kidding. You start on June the 1st. You sign the agreement June the 2nd. Uh, 
uh, the law says in most of these cases it's not enforceable. So what does that mean? Five years later, you're now let go, and you realize, wait a second, I signed the agreement on my second day of, of work. It's not enforceable, and you're potentially looking at getting full severance. So that's one of the things I always look at when I, someone says, well, here's my employment agreement. Does it limit what I'm owed? is to see when it's signed. How often uh, do you see that? I see it very often. <laughs> really? Hey? So employers wow. say, oh, wait a second. You started yesterday, uh, Bob, but I, I realized I never got you to sign your employment agreement. Can you sign it? Okay, here sure. it is. And oftentimes by then it's, it's too late because you have already started working. You already have the job, so you're not getting anything in return. So that's another way an employment agreement can ultimately be unenforceable. Another way is if your job has changed in a significant way since you signed it. So maybe when I signed the agreement five years ago, I was the, I don't know, marketing coordinator. But now I've been promoted a few times. Now I'm a director of marketing. So what does that mean for that employment agreement? Well, because that agreement now was for a different position, and that position has changed so significantly, arguably it it no longer is in force. So now I'm employed under an oral agreement, not a written agreement, which is a good thing. The best thing for an employee is to be employed under an oral agreement because that means... There's nothing that limits your entitlements. There's nothing that limits your potential severance. Beauty. So if the job has changed, another potential way to, uh, to uh, have an employment agreement not enforceable, if it's actually not well drafted. That's especially true with respect to terms that limit severance. Our courts have said that for an employer to be able to rely on a terminant agreement that limits an employee's severance, it has to be drafted in a very specific way. It has to say certain things in a certain sequence, or it's just not going to be enforceable. Where a lot of uh, employers and and some lawyers, I'm not going to name names, uh, may be a bit sloppy. And when they draft the agreement, they don't draft it well enough to make it enforceable. So I always look to see if there's terms in the agreement, if there's errors, if there's things that may make it unenforceable. And I see that all the time. I literally, not a week goes by. So if, that's the, if it's not well drafted, it's not going to be enforceable. And again, not enforceable may actually be the best thing for the employee because nothing limits their entitlements. So if I'm an employee yes. with the job, what's better for me, a one-page document or a 900-page document? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and, you know, I'll answer the question, but when do people call me worried? They call me because they just got a job offer, and they're looking at, at, at their employment agreement, and they call me and say, Lior, I'm very worried. I got this one-page document, and it's very brief. and only says what my job is and my salary, and you know, I, I expect it to see a heck of a lot more. And that's when I always shake my head and I say, no, 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 that's great. You want that Don't rock the boat. <laughs> yes, because in that one-page agreement, there's not going to be a lot of stuff that, that's bad for you because it's brief. Nice. Be, not, don't be concerned about the one-page agreement. Be concerned about the 25-page agreement with a lot of legalese. Yeah, so the one-pager, keep your head down, son. Yeah, it's a yep. good sign. Move on. You got it. We'll take a, a short break. Get to a call or two right here in the Employment Hour, right here on AM640 and AM900 CHML. Get down to our last few minutes here of the show for this week. Want to get to a phone call uh, quickly. Hello, Bill. How are you? Hi. Hey, Bill. How are you? What's up? Good, thanks. Good, man. Yes, uh, I'm calling on behalf of my son. He was working at a private club, and I believe there's negligence in their part. Uh, He was, uh, the way they drained their their hot oil, he's working in the kitchen. Yep. And as he was in the, they, they wheel it back in a big drum instead of, I figured they would drain it down into a big tank and... As he was stepping down, his foot went right into the hot oil. Ah, oh, really? 
So, I mean, the ambulance was called and everything, and he's still having difficulties with his leg, like the skin was burnt from his knee down. I was just wondering, do I have a case? or A, a case for what exactly? I'm just understanding like what your question uh, compensation for his, like he's going to live life like... The reality is because he was injured at work, Bill, the only compensation he's owed is through WSIB. You, yes, he did get that. Right. Yeah. You, you, in fact, when you're uh, injured at work and you're covered under the WSIB, yeah. you cannot uh, pursue the company for negligence, even though clearly they were negligent. Clearly it was yeah, their the fault. Doing things, yeah. uh, it has to be only WSIB. So he needs to make sure he gets all the available benefits through WSIB. But yeah, unfortunately, sure. he cannot go after his employer, though wow. that's his only remedy. That sounds bad. We'll get to uh, one more here. Hello, Steve. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good. You got a question for Lior? Go ahead. Yes. Um, basically, I was working for as an independent contractor, although I did sign uh, all, all the, you know, as a special contract uh, as, a, as a courier. Uh, I worked there just a few months. I believe it was just around the three-month mark, and then I was like, uh, I wasn't let go, but it, due, due to uh, legal issues, I uh, could not uh, attend work at that time. And then, obviously, when I went back, uh, there was not no severance package or anything. This happened a few years ago. Do you know the statute of limitations and, and what rights I have at this time? Uh, the statute of limitations uh, would be two years. So if you said a few, I'm assuming it's more than two. Yeah. Uh, so it's a few, but the other thing I'll say is if you couldn't go to work because of legal reasons that were your own, you probably wouldn't be entitled to severance in any event because ultimately it's not the company's fault that you couldn't go to work. So they're allowed to say, well, you can't work, so you're, not, you're no longer working here. So probably not much can be done in your situation. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's actually a concept that we've talked about before, okay. frustration of contract. Right, right. So if something happens that makes you unable to work, okay, uh, and, and it's not your fault, it's not the company's fault, uh, then, you know, for example, there's uh, something, uh, you know, let's say you work at the airport. And at the airport, you know, you have to have all kinds of security clearances. Absolutely. You don't just let anyone. And, and if you can't get the clearance, for whatever reason, maybe something to do with your paper. So you can't get the clearance. It means the employer at the airport can't employ you. Well, the employer can say, well, okay, then you're not, no longer working here because mm-hmm. we can't allow you to work here. Right. So that's a frustration of contract. That employer in that situation would not have to pay uh, any severance. Can't get your clearance, Clarence. What's your vector, Victor? We'll get to uh, one email here before we uh, wrap it for another week. Margaret says, I worked for a healthcare facility for 32 years full-time as independent contractor. I was let go uh, last week. What am I owed? Well, let me tell you this. I have yet to see, nor will I ever see if I practice for another 50 years, uh, someone working for uh, 32 years that's an independent contractor. It's just <laughs> it not going to happen. No. Right. So in, in Margaret's case, without even knowing more about uh, her situation, uh, hopefully she'll call me and I'll find out, but uh, she's, an, she's an employee. So that means if she's an employee and she's let go, unless it's for cause, which good luck establishing cause for the employer after 32 years, but unless she's let go for cause, she'd be entitled to severance, and it's probably going to be right around 24 months of compensation. And it wouldn't surprise me if the employer is saying, oh, no, no, you're an independent contractor. You've been there for right. 32 years as an independent contractor, so we don't have to you're pay You're very you independent. <laughs> or maybe I'll give you a, you know, a, a nice uh, gold watch as a thank you mm-hmm. or something like that. So you know, she probably is owed 24 months severance, and she really, really does need to, uh, to call me off there. Severancepaycalculator.com. We had someone use it already in the phones today. Yes, you know, and and, you know, not unusual because literally I, uh, tens of thousands of people have used it. I'm actually going to check before next show and tell you how many actually, the, the actual number. Mm-hmm. But it's been tens of thousands of people. SeverancePayCalculator.com. 
Uh, it tells you how much you're owed. So we've had a lot of questions already today. We get them every week. I get them in my office every single day. People wanting to know what they are owed because they just lost their job or maybe they're worried about losing their job. Or just want to know, right, in the event of. And who wouldn't want to know? I know that when I told you about that, the first thing you did is you went on saying, I wonder if Chorus ever let me go what what I'd be owed. When, yeah. Yeah, when, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Call me. But so, So in that situation, that's why I created the Severance Calculator. So severancepaycalculator.com. It's going to tell you how much you're owed. It's going to calculate very quickly, online, anonymously, free, very accessible. You'll input how long you've worked. You input the type of job from a drop-down menu and your age from a drop-down menu. And it's going to tell you one month, 10 months, 24 months, or anything in between. All right? Provides you some other useful information. And the best thing is if you if you want to, contact me directly from the calculator. Only if you do, you press a button and it sends me an email and you can contact me directly. Really good tool. Use it. Don't be shy. You really have a right to know what you're owed. And it's unbiased. There's also an employer configuration That's as right. well. That's right. A lot of employers use it because they need to let someone go and they, they don't have a lot of experience and they want to know what their legal obligations gotcha. are. So there's an employer mode to it. Again, free, accessible, severancepaycalculator.com. Nicely done for another week, sir, and you work without a net. You're pretty good. I try. Pretty, pretty good. Outside of show hours, it's one 855 821 Lior, L-I-O-R, at This has been another edition of the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.